Welcome to Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway. I'm Tim Slover, and today our highway is the Audubon, taking us to the city many consider the musical capital of the world, beautiful and tuneful Vienna. For that is where our two towering composers, Mozart and Brahms, one an Austrian, the other a German, spent time living and working, though a generation apart. Both wrote symphonies, concerti, and vocal music, and also some of the most sublime sonatas ever penned, and it's their sonatas we're concentrating on today. Sonatas are exquisite miniatures featuring just one or two or three instruments, and when Mozart was growing up in the middle of the 18th century, the accompanied sonata for keyboard and violin was the most popular form of chamber music. He heard a lot of them and started composing his own when he was, wait for it, seven or eight years old. By the time this genius was finished, he'd written 36 to go with the 39 other sonatas he wrote for other instruments. The perfectionist Brahms was not so prolific. He wrote a handful of violin sonatas in his painfully self-critical 20s, but never allowed them to be publicly performed. They were later destroyed, probably by Brahms, who made a habit of deep-sixing his work when he found it wanting. The next time he tried his hand at a violin sonata was when he was 45, by which age Mozart had been dead for a decade. Brahms wrote three violin sonatas that he found worthy, and they are among the pillars of the repertoire. Joining me in the studio this hour to perform violin sonatas of Brahms and Mozart are our special guests, violinist Robert Landis and pianist Kurt Hansen, both are local musicians living in Utah, and we'll get to know them better throughout the hour. But first... Let's start by hearing these wonderful musicians play the Vivace first movement of Brahms' Violin Sonata No. 1 in G major. Thank you. 
We just listened to the first movement of Johannes Brahms' Violin Sonata No. 1 in G major, performed live on Highway 89. I'm Tim Slover, and now it's time to meet our talented violinist. Robert Landis recently completed his master's degree in violin performance at Rice University in Houston, where he attended on full scholarship. He soloed with the Utah Symphony and San Diego Chamber Orchestras, been a fellow at the Tanglewood Music Festival in Massachusetts, and played Carnegie Hall. Welcome, Robert. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's great to be here, Tim. Now, uh, you come from a musical family, I understand, of seven siblings? Absolutely. And uh, as is the case with many musicians, you started on your instrument very young, what, three, three and a half? About three and a half, yep. My grandmother bought me a uh, 116th size violin for Christmas. 116th. It's about big enough you could hang it on the tree and it would look like it would fit. <laughs> uh, well, lots of kids play for a while, but then they quit. Yeah. But you didn't quit. Right. And I understand at about age 10, you had an experience that made you believe the violin could be a permanent part of your life. Can you talk about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I gave my first solo recital when I was 10 years old, and um, it was about an hour long, and one of the pieces that I prepared for it was the theme from Schindler's List. Um, my family had always loved the music from that movie, um, even though we'd never seen it. Uh, we liked to listen to it, and um, so that was something I'd prepared, and you know, the recital came, and I played, and I a couple days later, I listened back to um, the recording of myself, and I remember the first time I heard myself play that piece, um, you know, up until then, I, I don't think I really felt like I sounded that good or was really very impressed with what I was doing, but for some reason when I heard that, it's like <clears throat> I, I felt like I almost sounded like the recording I was used to listening to. I mean, of course, that's Itzhak Perlman, and he was fantastic, but to me, it was it didn't seem like that big of a stretch at that moment. And so that was pretty exciting for me. Does that recording still exist? I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah, I could <laughs> dig it up. You should have sent it to Itzhak Perlman. <laughs> yeah, see what he would think. <laughs> right. Well, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Can we hear some more music, please? Of course. Okay. Uh, we're now going to hear the second movement of uh, the Violin Sonata Number no. 1 in G Major by Johannes Brahms, the Adagio.
We are progressing through the passion of Brahms' Violin Sonata No. 1. That was the second movement performed live by the Hanson-Landis duo. I'm Tim Slover, and you're listening to Highway 89. Kurt Hansen studied piano performance at the University of Missouri, Kansas City on a full tuition scholarship, recently completed his MBA at Brigham Young University, a bit of a double threat. Uh, you also recently wrapped up a music project involving the piano works of Franz Schubert. Can you tell us about that? Oh, it was an incredible experience. Um, probably starting about five, six years ago, I just realized just how much I truly love Schubert. He's always been one of my favorite, but he overtook Beethoven and Bach as my favorite composer. And I feel like he forever will be my favorite composer. I relate to him more than any other composer. His music speaks to me in such an intimate way. It is so beautiful, so serene, so powerful. I think he didn't want to be like Beethoven. Many composers, many people compare Schubert to Beethoven and sometimes to Mozart, and I think he takes the best of both those composers, and he is his own composer. Um, he's truly Viennese in the best sense. He uses so much of the Viennese elements in his music. Anyways, I started this project about five or six years ago. I realized that Schubert, who died at the tragic young age of 31, I realized I would be 31 in, at the time, five to six years. And so I calculated it to the exact day, exactly when I would be the exact age that Schubert was when he died, which for me was just this last June 24th here at 2013, just two months ago. And so I am, I've just revealed my age here. I'm 31 <laughs> years old. It's shocking. So, soon to be 32. Schubert died 73 days before his 32nd birthday. And so 73 days before my 32nd birthday, I performed the final concert of this huge, long Schubert project, which basically involved the major complete, the complete major works of, of Franz Schubert for solo piano. Of course, he has a lot of obscure dances and other things that are really not ri written for the concert form. And um, I dabble in those, and those are very important works to sight read and to practice. But as far as, his, you know, I, I did 10 piano sonatas, all the impromptus, Moment Musico, uh, Dreyklavirstuk, The Wander Fantasy, and a couple of chamber works, the piano trios, and a couple of other things. I've just, it's been an incredible experience. That's tremendous. Getting, learning a, a composer's work that intimately for that long. What do you learn about <laughs> composing, about a composer? Do you feel like you're in his skin? Now? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I learned to predict things that he would do. If we discovered lost works of Schubert that have never been known and resurfaced, I feel like I would be able to know right away that is Schubert. That is 100% Schubert, especially late Schubert. His, uh, his last couple years to me from 1826 to 1828 is the greatest two-year period in the history of music. Um, Schubert was more prolific in that two-year period than anyone else has ever been. Um, his last three piano sonatas are just are second to none as far as the, as far as a accumulation of his of his incredible work. Thank you very much. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Thank you. We'd all clap. I'll, I'll clap right here in front of this <laughs> oh, microphone. Brother. What a tremendous accomplishment. Let's hear some more music now, if we might. Uh, Kurt and Robert will now join forces to play the third and last Allegro movement of Brahms' Violin Sonata Number no. One in G Major.
the final movement of Brahms' Violin Sonata Number no. 1. I think we're all glad that Johannes decided to hang on to this one, especially as performed live tonight in our studio by Robert Landis and Kurt Hansen. You're listening to Highway 89, and uh, I heard an ugly rumor, Robert. What's um, that? That while you were at Rice earning your master's degree, you... I can't believe I'm reading this. Tried skydiving because you found a Groupon for it. <laughs> Say it ain't so. It's, it is so, actually. Um, kind of a fun story behind that, actually. That's, that's exactly how it started. I got a Groupon, and I've been thinking a while about <clears throat> something fun I wanted to do. And um, so this, this you know, came in my inbox, and I immediately started talking to as many friends as I could because I thought, you know, the, merry, the more the merrier. And what was funny is only the cellists took me up on the offer. So I don't know what that says about cellists or their, their you know, value of life or maybe sense of adventure. Um, but I had about four of my friends uh, come with me. We drove out there. And honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't scared or nervous until the props on the plane started turning. And I knew that, you know, once that happened and I jumped in, the, we got in the plane, there was no turning back. So it was just a lot of fun. You know, they took us up to 11,000 feet as fast as they could. And I was... Because I was the first one on, I was the last one off, so I saw everybody jump out first, and it was just fun to, you know, see their face right before they disappeared right into the, you know, out into the sky, and so um, jumped out. I was probably about as scared for that as I ever have been for any audition or concert, um, but, you know, after the first couple of seconds, um, it's just a blast, and I'd do it again. I, I did do it again, actually. I've been... Well, close. yeah, that's what I... I mean, I thought you would repent or something, but... <laughs> I mean, you have valuable hands and fingers and things like that, but you have done it since. Right. Yep, I have done it since. I mean, you land feet first, so if you know something happens to them, I can still play. <laughs> uh, okay, I have to ask you a question. You coined the phrase, perfect practice makes perfect. Does that sound familiar? What does you, that mean to you? You know, I wish I could say I coined that phrase. I, uh, you know, it's, it's very important for musicians, I think, too. I, I think most of us have heard that. And what that means to me is... The quality of practice is so much more important than just the time put in because I've had so many, um, I've had a lot of students that do it two different ways and one of them is they'll practice their own way which usually just consists of running through the piece and then looking at the clock and messing around for 10 minutes and then running through it again for another couple minutes or you know the perfect practice um, is I think if we use all of the techniques and methods uh, from you know our teachers and everything that we've learned and we can get so much more done in a short amount of time than just, I think, mindlessly practicing. And, and another thing, you know, people also say practice with your brain on because it's so easy to just run through things. And that's, that's kind of can what be tricky about practicing in itself is making sure you're focused the entire time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Music students, take heed. You can be <laughs> as good as, as Robert, maybe. Maybe. Well, it's time to... Switch musical lanes here on uh, Audubon 89, and here's some Mozart. Wolfgang Amadeus composed his violin sonata in A major in 1778 when he was 22 years old. The first movement, which we're he'll, we'll uh, hear now, has some of the bounciest, happiest melodies in his entire repertoire. Thank you. 
A little Mozart performed live on Highway 89. That was the first allegro movement of Mozart's violin sonata in A major. 
Uh, Kurt, I know about the Gina Bachauer piano competition, one of the most prestigious uh, competitions in the country. What I didn't know is that there was a teams competition, and you won it. What was that like? What, well, what is the teams competition? First, the operative word is teams. I didn't win it. My team won it. It was a f- wonderful experience. Um, recently passed founder and longtime artistic director Paul Pulley just passed away just a month ago. Um, was the founder of this competition. He loves ensemble music. The American Piano Quartet, which performs all over the world for decades, um, uh, who just performed at his funeral, by the way, with the original members, um, he, uh, he was a big part of that. And so piano ensemble music is very important to the piano world. We don't get to play with orchestras. We don't get to play you know, all that wonderful symphonic music that all those instrumentalists get to play. And he decided to have another piano teams competition. He had one in the mid-90s, and he had another one in 2004. And I thought it was a great opportunity. There was a big prize money. It was about $8,000, which for a college student, is a lot, <laughs> sharing, sharing it five ways, is still a lot of money. And we, I decided I don't want to take the challenge and also transcribe a piece uh, to, to five pianos. Five pianos. To five okay. pianos. And I recognized that no Beethoven symphonies were rec- represented in that repertoire. So I took Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, second movement to the scherzo in D minor. That's a wonderful movement. I think it fits perfectly for, for pianos. And I spent about two months transcribing it to five pianos. I represented every single instrument. And uh, it was, I, I felt like I was meticulous, and it was a wonderful learning experience of recognizing what the orchestra is doing, re- recognizing all the instruments, what they're doing, and I loved it. How do you see each other when you're playing? <laughs> well, they put us in a semicircle. They took all the lids off, completely ah. off. All, five grand pianos, concert grands, nine-foot grands, uh, and a Libby Gardner Hall is where it was in, at the U of U. Big hall, and uh, we were able to see each other, and just we had to orchestrate a lot. It, and were you sort of, did you do the downbeat or? Um, we we kind of do it head nods. We, okay. we figure it out. Especially the opening of that Beethoven scared. So it's, a, it's a, everyone's, it's all 2D and it's all together. It was pretty difficult to, to start it. Thank you very much. Well, let's hear the final movement of Mozart's violin sonata in A major.
You just heard the final movement of Mozart's Violin Sonata in A Major, performed live here on Classical 89. And that concludes this edition of Highway 89. Our uber-talented guests today have been Utah musicians Robert Landis on violin and Kurt Hansen on piano. It was a wonderful program. We are uber-grateful that you came. Thank you, Kurt and Robert, for being here. Thank you. It's been great to be here. Thank you so much. We always like to hear from our listeners. We welcome your comments and questions. To contact us, simply send an email to highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite, and the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Tim Slover. Thanks for listening. <laughs>